Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. There's been a lot of sermons preached over this last year of 2018 and um, I always look at each and every one as an opportunity in a lot of different ways for what... I believe God is wanting to say to this congregation, say to us, one of our core values here as a church, we talk about it in Growth Track, is that um, um, we preach with, the ap- with application in mind. I don't want to just preach a nice message. I, I, I know that, uh, and, and we work hard at that. I don't want to preach a bad message either. I don't want to preach something that is boring, something that doesn't apply. And application is always really, really important for what we try to communicate on a Sunday and, and understanding that there are a lot of different people that attend our church services and some who uh, don't know Jesus at all, some who've been raised in a religious environment that celebrates the, the function and the, the tradition more than the relationship and then others that it's all relationship, but then there's no teaching, there's, there's no grounding, there's no balance there either. And, and I, I've said sometimes that it's like teaching a math class where some people in, in the math class don't know that 2 plus 2 is 4, they don't know some of the easiest calculations, and then others in the math class in that very same class are using advanced calculus. And so on a Sunday morning, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to some people, talking to some people who don't know who God is, don't know what God is about, and others who know more about God and the Bible than I know about God and the Bible, and you can understand in that environment it's difficult sometimes to put together some things that would be engaging to everybody and, and, and hopefully move us from where we are to where God wants us to be step by step. And as we say often, if your Sunday doesn't affect your Monday, then your Sunday didn't count. And I appreciate people who've come to me and said, I've determined that when I come to church on Sunday, I'm going to get something that affects my Monday. I'm going to get something because it's not just all on us or on the communicator, on me. It's on all of us together, leaning into what God has. And, 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 and it's more than just a transfer of information. I want this to be something, you know, the Bible tells us, and you're familiar with the scripture in in the book of John, uh, you've probably heard it quoted, the truth will set you free. Jesus actually said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And understand and then put into practice in your life that brings freedom into your life. It is the truth you apply. So just hearing the truth isn't good enough. James said that when we hear the word but we don't do it, then we're like a person who looks at ourselves in a mirror and we forget the person that we are. And so my goal is always to preach towards uh, application. What is something that you can take home today that will help you tomorrow? What, what will help you be a better husband or a better wife or a better parent or a better boss, or employee, whatever it might be? What helps us to be better in every day of our life? Because that's what God, I think anyway, that's what, what God uh, has for us. And so I, I said some of those things because I've, I've wrestled a little bit with this message um, and, and at one time wanted to sort of go a little bit different direction because it would be easier for me. Uh, and then, you know, I let God, I finally listened to God. And, and I said I've been kind of working on this for seven weeks. What I really mean by that is a lot of what you heard over the last three or four weeks when we were talking about the joy robber, you heard some themes, you heard some things that I repeated over and over that bring me to where, and I ended last week with this thought that that it's a springboard for this week. And um, over the last month, we've as we've talked about the joy robber and brought in some Christmas, and by the way, 
I know that a lot of you love Christmas, love Christmas carols. Uh, I don't know. I just found it refreshing to worship the Lord this morning without a Christmas carol. And if that makes me a bad person, I, I apologize. But man, it's just easier to, to worship that way than it is with, uh, you know, not that Christmas songs are wrong at Christmas time or anything like that, but it just was different this morning. And I appreciate our worship team. Amen. They just do a great job all year around. And so... Some of the thoughts that we've been talking about for the last month about, uh, uh, you know, that you have a joy that nobody can take from you. And, and, and sometimes it isn't the things, it isn't the people, it isn't the circumstances that rob our joy. It's us who give up the joy that we are to have. And my job as a communicator, as your pastor, is to remind you of some of those things that we can fall into. And that was really what my heart was. And, and there were a couple of sound bites, a couple of things that we used each and every week that I want to use as a springboard to go a, a little bit of a different direction this morning. And, and we began that series saying this to you, that Israel wanted God's intervention. They wanted God to work in their nation, and, and as a whole, God wanted to work in the nation. Israel wanted God's intervention, but God wanted to give them a revelation. God wanted them to see something more. And I believe the same thing is true for you and me, that many times we want God to intervene in our life. We want God to step into our life. But before God can step into our life, sometimes he wants us to have a revelation. He wants us to have some understanding. And much of the Christmas story was about misunderstanding what God was doing. When, when John wrote about all of the things that happened, he said that we saw him, we saw the Lord of glory. He came as light in a dark place, but the darkness couldn't comprehend God intervened, but they couldn't understand, and they rejected God. And we might think, oh, I would never do that. But do you realize we probably reject God pretty much every Sunday we come to church? Because you might hear something that challenges you where you are right now, or you might hear something in the Word of God, and you might nod in agreement, and you might even say, you know, I probably should do something about that. But if you leave and don't do something about whatever that is, then in a sense, You've rejected God because God was trying to intervene. And we can pass it off as, well, you know, I'm afraid I might give up too much or I'm afraid of what people might say or think if I truly engage in, in, in Christianity in this way or you don't understand my past or where I'm at. And we can use a lot of excuses. Boy, we're just starting right in the deep end, aren't we, this morning? Usually we kind of warm up a little bit, put our foot in the water. And, uh, but, but you guys are savvy saints, aren't you, this morning? Some of the cream of the crop. You are here on the throwaway Sunday, and so you deserve just a little bit more. And so anyway, we said this. Israel wanted God's intervention, but God wanted to give them a revelation. He wanted them to have some <clears throat> understanding. And so sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes divine intervention needs a divine revelation so that we can get the right interpretation of what's going on around us. And that happened with, with Joseph. There were some events that happened. It was a divine intervention. And his first response was, I'm going to end this relationship. The angels appeared to the shepherds, and the shepherds were afraid. That was the initial response. But then when revelation came, they had some understanding, and their response was different based on the revelation that they got. We also said this, that sometimes the situation that we are in is not as important as our interpretation of the situation that we're in. And this is key for where we're headed this morning, because I think this, is, this, this trips up people far more than what we realize 
what it is. I, I shared with you about going to Midtown uh, Racquetball Club. You can watch last week's message online. And, and to make a long story short, some things happened. I'm stretching my shoulder. I'm singing at the top of my lungs all by myself in my truck. And I came up real close to a guy in front of me. I went around him because I was going to make a right turn. And he was stretching just one finger. And he gave me the bird. And I thought, well, what the heck is wrong with that guy? And... Uh, uh, as I thought about it later, he interpreted my coming up very close behind him, which I shouldn't have done, but he stopped. It was his fault. Anyway, and, uh, and, and anyway, my arm was moving and my mouth was going. And I think as I went around, he thought I was mad at him. And he's like, I'll show you kind of a thing. His interpretation of what I was doing while I wasn't even thinking about the, that person, I wasn't thinking about how he was driving, I was worshiping Jesus. And you would think that Jesus would protect me in that moment from an idiot <laughs> on Division Street driving in front of me with every light turning red. Right? Does it feel like that sometimes? And we interpret those moments and situations sometimes in a way, and we react to that. We react according to our interpretation. So the interpretation becomes very, very important in our lives, how we see, how we view. And so without a revelation... Without a revelation, we might get the wrong interpretation, and our actions will follow our interpretation. And so the interpretation that we have, how we view the events that go on around us, whether it's in a church service, whether it's in life, whatever it might be, how we view what happens determines our actions. And so this becomes really, really important. And as we go into 2019, I think this is something that we really need to ask God about. We really need to watch for. And so I, I want to share a verse with you this morning that, that might sound a little bit strange. And depending, again, on, on your religious background or your experience in, in churches, I come from a charismatic Holy Spirit-filled uh, background. That's, that's my background, born and raised in an assembly of God church and have been in charismatic churches, uh, full gospel type churches my whole life. And I've heard this verse used a lot and it's in 1 Corinthians 14. We'll get to it in a second, but it, Paul is giving some instruction to the church and you might think this doesn't actually fit, but I, I, I want to use this to leverage a thought for you this morning because it's, again, I think something that will help all of us in 2019. And, and, and so in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the apostle Paul is talking about orderly worship in the church service. And he, he says some things. He said, you know, I, I'm thankful that you all pray in tongues. He said, that's a good thing. Pray. He said, I'm glad that I pray in tongues more than all of you do. But he also said, there's some things that can happen in your worship service you need to watch out for. He said, if somebody, who come, if somebody comes in and, they are, and they're an unbeliever, he call, King James uses the word unlearned, they don't understand what's going on, they're going to think you're crazy. And so then he says some things about, you know, about the order of the church service. And he's talking about praying in tongues. He's talking about interpretation of tongues. And he gets to this point in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 13. And he says, so anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. Now, depending again on your background, you've heard this, and, and, and there is, a, there is a, uh, uh, an application as it relates to what Paul is talking about. But basically, bottom line, what he is saying is he's saying what's more important isn't, isn't just that you're speaking in tongues, but that people understand what's going on. The interpretation is more important than what's happening at the moment. And so when that happens in a church service, pray that you may interpret. Well, that's true in, in spiritual things. That's true in church services. But how how many of you know that the, the, the right interpretation is important in life? Yeah. 
How many of you husbands have ever heard the words after you've asked your wife, hey, what's wrong? And you've heard nothing. Nothing. How many of you know that without the correct interpretation of what nothing means, it becomes really important? Because you may interpret nothing as meaning nothing. And if your interpretation when your wife says nothing is wrong is that nothing is wrong, you are going to be sorry. Because nothing is wrong does not mean nothing is wrong. It needs the correct application or the correct interpretation. Usually when nothing is wrong, something's wrong. And you want a divine revelation. Oh God, please help me to interpret what's going on right now. Because if I interpret it the wrong way, there will be consequences paid. Amen. If we've ever been on the wrong side of that equation, it happens all the time. As a parent, you need to know how to interpret your children. Dear God, help us. Otherwise, you will consider them as some of the most ungrateful human beings on the planet. And sometimes all we need to do is remember what it was like when we were kids. Because we weren't all so perfect. So, so life needs an interpretation. Pray that you can interpret what's going on in, in life. Pray that you can interpret. And so I want to I plant that seed for you this morning because there's events that happen, things that happen, stuff that goes on in our life all the time. But without the correct interpretation, we can respond in a wrong way that brings pain into our life. We can respond in such a way that instead of stepping into freedom, we're stepping into captivity. And one of the best ways to illustrate that is through the life of Joseph, not Joseph the carpenter's son, not, not Joseph the carpenter, but Joseph the, the one that had the coat of many colors back in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. And, just, and I'm, I'm going to cherry pick a couple of thoughts from this, not going to spend a lot of time on Joseph, Joseph's life and all of the things that went on uh, regarding Joseph. Because there's a couple of key things that, that I want to give to you this morning in light of where we are in this series of messages. And so, if you know anything about Joseph, Joseph was given a promise. He was given a dream as a young person. And, and his brothers were all out there they they harvesting wheat. And he has this vision, he has this dream that all of his brothers' sheaves of wheat are around his sheave of wheat. And they all bow down. The revelation comes that eventually, in, in his, whether it's in his immaturity, his youngness, whatever it might be, he steps up and he says, to his brothers, he says, one day you're all going to bow down and worship me. Well, being the youngest of, of, of all of those kids, the older brothers didn't take that real well. They didn't like it. Plus then on top of that, his dad bought him a really nice coat, really nice jacket, full of many colors, just really awesome. The rest of the brothers had coats like from, you know, Burlington Coat Factory or Target or wherever it might be. But he had a really, really nice coat and his brothers were jealous. So they hatched a plan. They said, we're going to kill him. We're going to finally get this troublemaker out of the way. And, and then they kind of lose their nerve. They decide not to kill him. Instead, they sell him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt. And while he's in Egypt, you can think of all of the things that go on in his life. He ends up in Egypt, he gets to a position of power, and then he's falsely accused of raping somebody. Sexual misconduct allegations, he ends up in prison. And we pick up this story here while he's in prison, and we find this in Genesis chapter 40, and it says this in Genesis chapter 40 in verse 5, and basically what was happening is... is other prisoners were there, and two of them happened to have been employed by the king, and one of them was a baker, one of them was the cupbearer. <clears throat> and in verse uh, 5 of chapter 40, it says, Then the two of them each dreamed a dream on the same night. The dream of each man, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, 
who were confined, confined in prison, each had its own interpretation. Each one had a dream, and each dream has its own interpretation. Verse 6, when Joseph came to them in the morning, he observed them. And there they were looking miserable. Now, think about this. He, he, he's, Joe has been in prison for a while. We could talk about all of the injustices that have happened in his life, all of the reasons that Joseph could not be you know, kind, he could not be considerate, he could be pretty salty and, and bitter, and instead he notices the condition of the other prisoners who were there, and he says, hey, what's up? What's wrong? Why do you look so sad? Verse 7, so he asked Pharaoh's officials uh, uh, who were with him in the custody of the house of his master, saying, why are your faces so sad today? And they said to him, we dreamed a dream, and there's no one to interpret it. We've encountered some stuff that's beyond our ability to understand. We don't know what's going on. Nobody can interpret it, and, and nobody can understand it. And then Joseph said to them, don't interpretations belong to God? Say that with me. Interpretations or say it after me, I guess, sorry. Interpretations belong to God. That's a key point. Interpretations belong to God. And that's what Joseph says. Don't interpretations belong to God. And so he said, please tell me. Tell me about the dreams. And, and to make a long story short, the, 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 the cupbearer uh, steps up and he says, well, I had this dream, man. There were vines, grape vines, and, and, and the vines were squished. The grapes were squished, and, and the juice ran into a cup, and I handed the cup to the king. Joseph says, well, here's the interpretation. Here's what it means. Three vines, that means in three days, you're going to be restored and you're going to bring the cup back to the king. And he says, and by the way, when you get back to the king, don't forget to tell him that I told you that was going to happen. <clears throat> Remember me to the king. That's kind of an important part of the story. Well, then the, the, the baker is there. He's like, hey, 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 do my next. Do my, I, I got one too. Do my next. That's cool. That's awesome, man. He's getting out. Woo-hoo. What's your dream? Well, I had a similar dream. Three is involved in that, but instead of three vines, I guess I'm not the cup guy. I'm the bread guy. And so there's three baskets on my head, and birds came, and they ate the baskets of bread. Joseph goes, really? Yeah, they ate the bread right out of the basket. He's like, uh-oh. <laughs> and he's like, wait, what? Uh-oh. What do you mean, uh-oh? He goes, well, here's the interpretation of the dream. Three days are important. In fact, in three days, he's going to lift your head up. The problem is he's going to cut it off. But don't interpretations belong to God? They do, right? The interpretation belongs to God. And everything happens the way that Joseph said that was going to happen. Three days later, the, the, the baker gets his head cut off. And three days later, the cupbearer ends up back in the king. There's only, and, and they all lived happily ever after. Except for one thing. They forgot. The cupbearer forgot Joseph. Joseph is still in prison. So not only did his brothers reject him and do all of the things that they did, and Potiphar's wife lied about it, but now the cupbearer has forgotten him, and he's still in the same place. God, originally you said everybody's going to bow down to me, and I don't understand what's going on. He had a reason to be upset. He had a reason to be angry. Well, <clears throat> a couple of uh, a while later, the king has a dream. And, and, and Joseph interprets, is going to have an opportunity to interpret this dream as well. And you'll notice in the transition that the progression of his life, he interprets dreams, and each one gets a little bit more difficult. And, and so uh, in Genesis chapter 41, 
Joseph uh, has an opportunity. And it says in, in verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I've heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Now, again, Joseph could be pretty, pretty angry right now. He could say a lot of things about the cupbearer. He could say a lot of things about a lot of things. He could give his opinion. He could, he could let all of those things that have happened to him, all of the injustice, all of the stuff, all of the pain, all of the, the heartache, and everything that went on, he could bring all of those things up. But he doesn't. And it's kind of interesting. Well, let me finish this. I heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Verse 16, here's what, here's what Joseph said. It is beyond my power to do this. It's beyond my power to do this. And he finishes it. He says, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Similar to what he said to the, 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 the candle, or the candle, I was butcher baker, candlestick maker. <laughs> Similar to what he said to the cupbearer and to the baker. Why was it not a butcher? should have been a butcher. Anyway, uh, Similar to what he said there, he said, I, I can't do this beyond my ability, but God can. He pointed him to God. And so again, he says, it is beyond my power to do this. And so when Pharaoh was in, 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 had this dream, brought all of his resources together, and it was impossible for anyone to help him understand what the dream meant. All of the things that were available to the king, and now here's Joseph in front of the king. He'd been forgotten, but now he's in front of the king. And sometimes the thing that you and I try to hide from, sometimes the thing that, that you and I try to run from, and that we want to stay, or, or we want to let maybe our bad attitude or our hurt feelings affect how we view and see things. What Pharaoh's problem was became an opportunity for Joseph. And sometimes what is your problem becomes an opportunity for you to believe God in a bigger way so he can bring you from one stage of glory to the next stage of glory. So you don't stay stuck in the rut, but instead you're stepping into higher ground and newer ground. I think it was Joyce Meyer who said, with every new level, there's a new devil. You're going to have to fight something. You're going to have to beat something. You're going to have to defeat something. Pastor Brian, that was really good preaching. <clears throat> he said, it's beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and to set you at ease. I think what he was saying is that it's beyond my ability, and so I need to go to God. I need to go to God to get the correct interpretation. I need to go to God and have him help me understand what it is that he's trying to tell you. And when I understand that, then I can give that to you. If he tried to interpret it through the lens of his own hurt, his own experience, uh, his own understanding, he would have missed it, which is why he said, I, I can't tell you. He said, it is beyond my power. to. If I try to interpret it myself, I will get it wrong. And sometimes you and I do the same thing. Sometimes you and I try to interpret ourselves what is going on and what is happening around us, and we end up getting it wrong. Just like the person who was in front of me that, that, that you know, I think thought that, that I was, you know, mad at him and, and, and angry at the way he was driving, and he let me know about it. He interpreted it in one way, and, and, and that was the farthest thing. I can't tell you the number of times I've preached a lot of sermons, and, and I can't tell you the number of times that I've been saying something that I feel like perhaps is challenging to somebody and had them get up and walk out. And you know what my head tells me? Ooh, they didn't like that. They're leaving. They're mad. You know what reality was? 
they went to the bathroom. <laughs> or there was a number on the screen and they had to go get their kid. I interpreted it one way. And that interpretation was incorrect. Once I understood what was happening, I was at ease. And I didn't feel quite so bad. And it's happened where people have gotten mad and gotten up and left. And I, I don't like that. I, I honestly don't. It, it, it bothers me. It bothers me, to be totally honest with you, because it's only the truth that makes us free. And it's only the truth that changes our hearts and lives. And sometimes we get challenged and we need to be challenged. We need to be challenged in our faith and in our followership of Christ uh, from time to time. And so anyway, Pharaoh gives him the dream. He said, this is what happened. Basically, make it short. Basically, he said this. He said there were five, I'm sorry, there were seven fat cows and then there were seven skinny cows and all these things happened. And basically, Joseph says, well, here's what that means. There's going to be seven years of plenty. There's going to be, man, your harvests are going to be huge and all that stuff. But after that, there's going to be seven years of lack, and it's going to be lean. And, and, and he goes, if you need somebody to help you figure out what to do during those, those years, I can, I can help you out. I can give you some understanding. I can, you know, I'd be more than happy to be in charge, and, and, and we'll put some things together. And Pharaoh says, that sounds like a good idea. And so for seven years, they, they collect grain, and they, they build all these barns, and they fill up the barns. And then, and then eventually, the famine happens. And, and, and there's such a famine, and they're two years into the famine that people are starving, and, and, and Joseph's father and his family, they're, they're one of them, and he, sends, he says to uh, Joseph, or Joseph's father, Jacob, says to his brothers, he says, I need you to go to Egypt. I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to see if you can get some food, get some grain, because we're going to starve to death here. They come to Egypt, and, 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 and in this whole story, nobody knows, they don't know what's going to happen. And here's Joseph. Joseph now has his opportunity. Here comes his brothers, and, and they're needing grain. They're needing food. They're needing a bunch of stuff. And here's Joseph standing in front of his brothers who had sold him into slavery, sold him into captivity, intended to kill him, but didn't do it. And then all of these other events transpired in his life, and now he's standing face to face with the ones who who hurt him with the ones who caused all of this chaos and destruction in their life, who if it wasn't for them, he'd have been at home enjoying relationship with his father and doing all kinds of stuff that kids and dads do. And he's there, and it's at first an extremely difficult moment for Joseph, and he's emotional, and all of these different things are, are happening. And, and, and this is the third time that Joseph is interpreting a dream. And, and again, each one gets a little bit, it's one thing when you're interpreting somebody else's dream, but now Joseph has to interpret his own dream. God wants to bring revelation to Joseph. God wants to bring some understanding to Joseph. And sometimes God will put you face-to-face -face with the thing that scared you. He'll put you face-to-face -face with the thing that hurt you. He will put you face-to-face -face with the people who lied about you because he wants you to see. He wants to know, or he wants to see, and he wants to know how you will treat those who maybe mistreated you, how you will dispense justice to the ones who caused injustice in your life. And so we pick up this story in, in Isaiah, I'm sorry, in Genesis chapter 45 and verse 4. And, and so they, they have the encounter. He's speaking through an interpreter. Uh, at first, Joseph is. He's speaking through an interpreter. He doesn't want them to know what's going on. Kind of plays some tricks on them almost, you know, and does some different things. And then verse 4 says, so Joseph said to them, to his brothers, come close to me. Come close to me. He's all alone with them. And I think that sometimes revelation can't be had at a distance. You need to be in the presence of God. He said, I want you to come close to me. 
He says, so the brothers came close to him and he said to them, I am your brother Joseph. You sold me as a slave to go to Egypt. Now don't be worried. Don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Don't be upset. Don't be mad that you sold me here. Don't be afraid. Even though I'm a, he was second in command, he had all the power and authority of Pharaoh himself. He could have had them executed. He could have done a lot of things to them. And he is face to face with that pain. And he says, I want you to come a little bit closer. And he said, I, I need you to understand something. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be sad. You don't need to be dismayed. You sold me here. But notice what he says. Don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. God sent me here ahead of you to save people's lives. Let me read that again. Don't be worried. Don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. God sent me here ahead of you. You sold me. God sent me. There's not a but there. There's not a question there. It is a continuation of the same thought. And so as you're looking at this, which is it? Which one? Did you sell me or did God send me? Which was the one? What was, I mean, which kind of not came first, but, but, but it's almost kind of a, an oxymoron. It's sort of weird. God, which one is it? And I like what Joseph did. He didn't pass over. He didn't gloss over. He, he, you, know, you sold me and it hurt. And it stunk, and I didn't like it, and I suffered a lot of stuff because you sold me. God sent me. And he said, because of that, I don't want you to be dismayed. I don't want you to misunderstand. I don't want you to be afraid because I've had a lot of years to consider, and I've had a lot of years to think, and I've had a lot of years to pray, and I've had a lot of years, and I see something that I didn't see before. You sold me. God sent me. And while in your minds and in my five physical senses, I understand that you sold me, there was a bigger purpose God had in mind. God had in mind for me to come to Egypt and to arise to a position of power and authority so that in this moment, at this time, I could bring redemption and I could bring life to the people of the nation of Israel. And he came face to face with the ones that hurt him and sold him and did the things that he did and did to them. I want you to notice, notice this, you sold me is the event. And every single one of us have had events that hurt, have had events that cause pain, events that cause loss. You sold me is the event. God sent me is the interpretation. He could have viewed it through the, the lens of injustice and pain, and sorrow and loss. He could have viewed it that way. But he didn't because he'd spent time in the presence of God because interpretations don't belong just to us. Interpretations belong to God. They come from God. And if I try to interpret, I can't interpret it. I will get it wrong every time if I try to interpret the pain through and filter it through the lens of my past, filter it through the lens of a word or a name that somebody called me and that marks me for my life. I can't interpret it in that way. I have to go to God. I need God's help. I need God's direction. And so you sold me is the event. God sent me is the interpretation. But the question that I ended last week and I want to bring up this morning again is which are you going to live in? Are you going to live in the event or are you going to live in the interpretation? And more important than that is answering the question who's going to be the interpreter of your life? 
Who's going to be the interpreter of your life? You or God? And there are some painful moments in life that you and I will all go through. Every single one. And I'm not talking about everything. I'm talking about those significant moments in life. There are things that are holding you back today because somebody 20 years ago said something. And because of what they said, you've interpreted a weakness or a fear in your life, and you've let that fear and you've let that weakness dominate your thoughts and dominate your life. And God wants you to see through the filter of his word, through the filter of his life, through the filter of his power, that you're more than a conqueror, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, and you don't have to live under that name of loser or failure any longer, because greater is he that's on the inside of you. So you're going to live in the event or your interpretation of the event. Who are you going to allow to be the interpreter of your life? Because some of us have gotten the interpretation wrong. And because we've gotten the interpretation wrong, we've let those labels stick and dominate our life and our thinking. They've dominated every part of our being. This is why you and I need to pray what Paul said to the church at Corinth. Pray that you may interpret. This is why you need the presence of God. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the atmospherics. That when you change the atmosphere, when you change the music of a story, it changes the feel and the idea of the story. We used Home Alone, and we changed that music to kind of some, some, some scary music and made it sound like I mean, exact same pictures, dialogue, and everything. But it now sounded like a horror movie, not kind of a lighthearted holiday movie. Simply by changing the atmosphere. When you change the atmosphere, the story changes. And if I can change the atmosphere of my life, my life will change. And the way that I change the atmosphere of my life is by spending time in the presence of God. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I fight my battles through the weapon of prayer, through the weapon of worship, through the weapon of the presence of God. And if you're afraid to go into the presence of God, you're afraid of the wrong thing. Don't be so self-conscious that you're not God-conscious. Don't be so hooked up to the flesh and to your five physical senses that you can't encounter the Spirit of God and the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that makes you free. Not only is God an interpreter, but the devil's an interpreter also. The devil, the devil will help you fill in the blanks. I saw that person, they came into work and they gave me a look. I know they're mad at me. I don't know what I did, but I know they're mad at me. No, they're not mad at you. They're mad at their, they just had a fight with their wife and now they're at work and they're in a bad mood. It wasn't you. They came that way. And we live the rest of our day thinking, oh, what did I do? What did I do? What did I say? What happened? The devil is the accuser of the brethren. Not only will he accuse others, he'll accuse you. He'll remind you of every stupid thing you've ever done. He'll remind you of every sin you've ever committed. He will try to remind you in all of those ways that will tear you down. And so my last question as we end 2018 is simply this. Are you interpreting your God through your life? Are you interpreting your God through your life or your life through your God? Who's your interpreter? Every time. 
that I view God from my position on earth and I view God, if you will, kind of through the, the filter of my experience, through the filter, through the lens of all of the things that I'm going through and I try to make everything down here make sense with what he's doing up there, I'm going to get it wrong. But if I realize that I've been seated with him in heavenly places, that I'm next to him, right there beside him, and if I allow his word to be the filter of my life, and if I allow patience to have its perfect work in my life, that I can look down at my life and understand, God, there's a purpose. God, there's a plan. God, in the middle of my pain, in the middle of, uh, of all of this, in the middle of all of these things, there's your promise. There's your passion. There's your purpose in my life. And I'm going to be patient while I'm suffering. I'm going to be patient, but I'm not going to lose sight of you. I'm not going to lose sight of your presence. I'm not going to lose sight of what you want to do in my life. Because this life is not all there is. And I'm here for a purpose. And my number one purpose that I'm here for is to help other people see that God's good. My purpose is to help up other people understand when there's a problem, it's now a, a, a potential opportunity for me to be able to help them, to maybe give them a, a, a step towards God, to, to lead the way that, that you can tell them, hey, you know, I, I was in a situation like that, but guess what now? I, I'm not in that situation because God is my source. God is my strength. God is my help. I don't understand everything, but I have peace today that passes all understanding because God's for me and he's not against me. And I might be in it right now. I'm, you might be able to be like the psalmist that every day. You know, he, he said this at an old age. He said, I, I, I've been young, but now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen, seen his seed left begging bread. And through the long lens of the perspective of life, you can look back and you can say, you know what? All in all, God has been good. And not only that, but when I look ahead that uh, I was sharing with somebody last night in the hospital and, and sharing with a family and a lot of stuff was going on. And I said, for the follower, for the believer of Christ, which this person was, this life is as bad as it gets. It just gets better from here. For you and for me, no matter how bad this life is, this is as bad as it's ever going to get. It only gets better from here. But for the person that's not a follower of Christ, this is as good as it will ever get. This life is as good as it will ever get. It only gets worse from here. We need to correctly interpret the events of our life. And you and I cannot interpret those events. We need, to, we need to get into the presence of God and seek him and pray that we may interpret. Would you bow your heads this morning? If you're here this morning, first of all, and I want every person with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today, and you are in the midst of a struggle, a trial, battle right now, and you need divine interpretation. You need to understand. If that's you, I just I have my own eyes closed this morning, but I just want you to raise a hand towards God because I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you're like, man, I, I'm in the battle and I need a correct interpretation. I've struggled with stuff my entire life because of something that somebody said or because something that, that, that was rejection in my life. Just hold your hand up. And Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bring light. I thank you that you would bring understanding. I thank you that you bring revelation to their hearts today. That Father, instead of seeing the pain and seeing the past, that they see the promise that you are for them that you'll never forsake them, that you're with them through every storm, through every trial, through every battle. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you bring comfort just as you brought to the king, as, as Joseph said, that there would be peace and that you would have comfort in that moment, that they would have comfort right now, Father God, that you'd bring healing into their hearts and into their lives. 
And with your head still bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I cannot think of a better way to begin a new year than to, <sighs> that's a leaf you want to turn over. Man, this is the best way. You can start brand new with Jesus. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, never been born again, and do you want to, would you hold your hand up real high? I would love to pray. I'd love to lead you in a prayer this morning. Anyone at all? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, I thank you for the men and women of this congregation. Would you all stand? Just stand with me. Father, I thank you for the men and women of this congregation. I pray that you bless them. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would plant within them a desire for 2019 that is supernatural. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would do something on the inside of each and every one of us. Father, we don't want to settle, and we don't want to take for granted, but, Father, we want to take ground. We want to advance. We want to climb higher and go farther in you, your presence, and in your kingdom. And, Father, we want there to be a revival in us individually, in our church collectively, but in central Minnesota. And so, Father, we're going to pray like we've never prayed before. We're going to believe like we've never believed before. We're going to ask like we've never asked before. And, Father, we believe that we will see things that we've never seen before as well. And I thank you for those things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said...